The sponsor for the month is Banner of Truth. If you're looking for a conference that's organized to help you rest, has faithful preachers that you've never heard about, because more than five preachers in North America know how to preach, and will focus on great themes of the Bible, then I would encourage you to consider attending the Banner of Truth East Coast Ministers Conference May 24th through the 26th in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania. The conference theme this May will be on communion with God. It's a conference for men in the ministry and for those praying about entering the ministry. Men come to this conference again and again because of the like-minded fellowship, great books that are on sale, and the way it helps them recalibrate their hearts in the ministry. You can learn more at thebanneroftruth.org backslash ministers. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Hello, and welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. Excited to have you back. We are in episode 181. And today, we are starting a new series. We're starting a series on regulative principle pastoring. So what is a pastor supposed to be, and what is a pastor supposed to do? And this is a podcast back talking about pastoral ministry. I've been doing a lot of other things, and hopefully you've enjoyed those series. We're kind of getting back to the grassroots of the Shepherd's Crook podcast, dealing with pastoral ministry. I've done something like this series before, but I wanted to revamp it, rework it, and put it back out and get a video going for Gab. And I hope this is helpful for you. I want to go ahead and give a shout out to the Banner of Truth. And thank you so much to the Banner for being a sponsor for the month. And if you haven't checked out their website or their minister's conference, please do that. You can follow the link in the show notes and uh, you know, check that out and buy some great books from the Banner. Okay, so today we're, we're starting in the seven-week series, week number one. We're talking about who is a pastor? What is a pastor supposed to be? And so before we do that, we're going to go ahead and pray, ask for the Lord's help, and we're going to start with talking about my favorite liberal, which is Eugene Peterson. But let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we need help and wisdom always. We just ask for direction. Lord, we need men of courage that are willing to stand up and do what you've called them to do. And Lord, every generation has pastors, unfortunately, that fail, that have moral failures, sin failures, and don't finish well. They just don't make it. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to be the kind of men, the kind of pastors that not only make it, but honor you through the process, that walk walk humbly and serve humbly before you and men. And Lord, just help us to do that. Lead us as we work through this seven-week series about pastoral ministry and help me be to, to, just to be faithful to your word. I trust you're going to, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, pretty excited about this. Now, I love Eugene Peterson, not because I agree with him on everything. He is an egalitarian, but he's a different kind of egalitarian. He doesn't care what people think. <laughs> he really doesn't. He was speaking in the 90s, late 80s and early 90s, against megachurch ministry at a time that megachurch ministry and seeker-sensitive uh, understandings of, of the church were just massive, gargantuan scale. And here was Eugene Peterson speaking against that and speaking against it boldly, and I just appreciated it. And he has five works on pastoral ministry that are phenomenal, that I really encourage you to read. This quote comes from The Contemplative Pastor. This book is phenomenal, and... I mean, with anything, right? You're eating the meat, spitting out the bones. There's always going to be some bones in almost everything. Anything that I say, I hope you're able to walk in the wisdom of, of being able to do that and say, okay, what has been faithful here? What could have been said better? What needed to be said stronger? What was said too strong? You get the point. 
But I want to start because I want to explain some confusion that exists. And it existed in me when I first got into ministry. When I was sitting in an office at the first church building that we were using, we were actually renting out a teen town, a local teen town in our area. And I remember sitting in the office and thinking, what in the world am I supposed to be doing? Okay, I know that I'm supposed to read, study, pray, Acts 6, that I'm supposed to be devoted to ministry of the word and prayer. But what does that look like throughout the week? I mean, what, what am I supposed to actually be doing? And so I just did a ton of study, and I didn't know exactly what to do, but I knew I was supposed to study. And what I want to do here is provide guidance for guys like that, or for guys that have been in ministry for decades, but have had ministry handed to them from the congregation, or from deacon boards, or from elder teams, and haven't actually done the work to ask and get answers for the questions about what we are supposed to be doing. Eugene Peterson, he sums up this problem really well in in this book in in uh, page 18 and this pastor or this uh let's see this uh, little section is called the unbusy pastor chapter two here's what he says i am busy and by the way this is provocative this is one of the reasons also that i liked him is that he was like a shock jock but in the best sort of way here's what he said i am busy because i'm lazy i indolently let others decide what i will do instead of resolutely deciding myself. Okay, this, this is the, the heart of the issue here about pastoral ministry. Is pastoral ministry handed to you by people who don't know what ministry is? Or are we going to the scriptures and saying, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, and get answers to what pastoral ministry is from God's word? He continues, I let people who do not understand the work of the pastor write the agenda for my day's work because I am too slipshod to write it myself. The pastor is a shadowy figure in the minds of people, a marginal person vaguely connected with matters of God and goodwill. Anything remotely religious or somehow well-intentioned can properly be assigned to the pastor. So what Eugene Peterson is talking about is the kind of pastor who sits around and does anything that's remotely close to being religious work to fill up their schedule. So the schedule gets filled up, but the schedule gets dictated to the man because the man is too slipshod to dictate the schedule himself. And what I want to help you do is get some handles on pastoral ministry. Why I've called this regulative principle pastoring is because we're almost all familiar with that language when it comes to the Lord's Day gathering, that we are not just free to do whatever we want to do. We have to do what's prescribed to us and the, and the parameters and the way things have been prescribed to us in God's word for when we come together as God's people. And I think that there's also a regulative principle type of, of, of looking at pastoral or shepherding ministry. So this is what we're doing. We're laying it out. We're not getting going to let people dictate our schedules for us. By the grace of God, we're going to say, this is what pastoral ministry is, and we're going to be proactive. And what I want to encourage you with is to take control of your life to the degree that that's a godly thing. Don't take control of your life to the degree that you think you're sovereign over your life or that somehow you're God. I'm not talking about like some sort of God complex, but I do want to encourage you to get a positive vision for pastoral ministry and then walk in that so that you're not always just lagging behind and just waiting for everybody to tell you what you're supposed to be doing. Be proactive about it. Okay, let's look at the confession, the London Baptist Confession. This is coming from chapter 6, article 10, and article 8. And I want to read this because we can get some handles historically of what pastoral ministry is, and we, we can know what pastoral ministry is um, to a certain degree, but then we got to build this thing out because the scriptures say more than what the confession says. And also, <clears throat> we're going to be hitting these in a non-sequential order, but we will get to these. I wanted to go ahead and just lay out three things that the London Baptist Confession says and 
starting with Article 10, and then we'll go to 8. Here's what it says. The work of pastors being consistent to the attendant, to attended the service of Christ in his churches, in the ministry of the word and prayer, in the ministry of the word and prayer, with watching for their souls as they must give an account to him. Okay, so that is crucial to pastoral ministry, ministry of the word and prayer, and watching, being a curator, a care of the souls, of which we will have to give an account. So how does that then practically work itself out then, the care of souls? What does that look like through the week? And then in in Article 8, here's what it says. A particular church, gathered and completely organized <clears throat> according to the mind of Christ, consists of officers and members, and officers appointed by Christ to be chosen and set apart by the church, so-called and gathered, for the particular administration of ordinances and the, exec- and, and the execution of power or duty. Okay, so they are to properly administer the ordinances and execute power in the way that God would have them execute power. So then, again, let's put some flesh on that. How does that work itself out? So we're going to start today at the very beginning of what regulative principle pastoring looks like. Who is the man supposed to be that is the pastor? What is this Christian man? And we see this from 1 Timothy chapter 3, and Titus chapter 1 is also where we get qualifications for a pastor. And then 1 Peter chapter 5 gives us some direction on what shepherding ministry looks like. So it kind of, again, puts some flesh on some of these definitions here. After we get the qualifications in 1 Timothy uh, 3 and Titus 1, we get 1 Peter 5. That's really helpful in, in helping us and guiding us. But we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 1 today, or chapter 3 today, and we're just going to look specifically at the man. Because most pastors... If you don't get this right, if you don't get that the man that's called into ministry is just simply a Christian man who's called to lead his family well, if you don't get that, just a, a normal Christian dude who's able to love God and love others, if you fail at this point, then you end up failing in ministry. You just end up having a sin failure and you don't finish strong. And we're going to look at a quote about that here in just a minute here. Uh, in just a minute. Just Okay, here we go. First Timothy chapter 3. This is a trustworthy saying. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. This is the point one. This is the week one. This is the the big idea. If you're going to be a pastor, if you're going to be God's man, you have to be a man after his own heart. You have to be a man of God. This is where all pastoral failures happen. It's because a man cannot be the man that God has called him to be. He just fails in this area, in just basic Christian manhood. The specific requirement here, the first one, is a proper aspiration to this work, and it's called a noble work. And we need more and more young men, by the way, that are looking forward to the day that God may call them to be this kind of man. He's, I mean, if he's got this kind of integrity, we want we want young guys to grow up and aspire to this good work. It's a noble task. It's a noble call. Is there glory in other work? Of course. But there's a peculiar and a particular glory to this work of pastoral ministry. So he must have a proper aspiration. So this is not selfish motivation. This isn't just a self-centered, self-indulgent need and quest for power to be able to hold or lord over people. This is a proper aspiration for this noble work to oversee the people of God. And we see that this has to be a man, he. And we make no apologies about that. That's where Eugene Peterson was just flat wrong. He desires a noble work. So men, I want to read from Steve Farrar, who recently passed away. I'm actually going to be interviewing his two sons this next Saturday. And I want to read an excerpt from this book and challenge you in this area of, of Christian manhood. You have, to, you have to know what it means to be a man of God, and you have to walk in it. And so many pastors know how to disciple others. They know how to 
run programs. They know how to administer and, and walk in giftings of administration. They know how to prepare for a sermon. And they get up every single week to preach a well-crafted, well-put-together. They, they lay out their manuscript or outline. And people come to them and pat them on the shoulder afterwards. And they say, good job, brother. They know how to lead men's ministry and challenge men, or at least they try to. Uh, they know how to do these kinds of tasks. They know how to be the, 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 like the political side of working a crowd, that kind of thing. But so many pastors simply fail at Christian manhood. The man who's desiring the noble task gets caught up in the work and doesn't know, just simply forgets to walk in basic spiritual disciplines. Okay, this is Steve Farrar talking about Howard Hendricks, the late professor. Both these guys have now passed away. And Steve uh, Farrar is mentioning what Howard Hendricks did with these 252 or 46 pastors that he talked to over a two-year span what Howard Hendricks found was 246 pastors that had walked in a sin failure. So what's typically called a moral failure, I think it's more accurate just to say it was a sin failure, they disqualified themselves from ministry. And here's what he found about these 246 over a two-year period. And how crazy is that? That he was able to find 246 men who had had sinned and disqualified themselves from ministry just over a two-year period. 246. I mean, it's insane. Look around you. How, How few men... Have that you know have finished ministry well without a moral failure. Their kids still love them. I mean, there's so few of them. I know one who has finished well. One. And I've been in ministry for a while, and I've known a lot of pastors. I know one pastor who has started and finished well. And we can get into a, you know, I've done a series on what is finishing well also. But here's what Dr. Howard Hendricks observed. After interviewing each man, the, the 246 that that disqualified themselves. Dr. Hendricks discovered four correlations running through the experiences of the entire 246 who derailed. Here's number one. Here's what he found in the area of the sin failure. None were involved in any kind of personal accountability group. Now, guys, this is crucial. Pastors have to have friends in their local church. Don't buy the lie that you cannot be friends with people in your local church or friends with your fellow elders. You have to be. Here's the deal. If you don't have deep friendships in your local church, you cannot have accountability. Real, true accountability requires friendships. You cannot get in the grill of another man and address him in the way he needs to be addressed if you aren't deeply friends with that man. Now, you still have to reprove and rebuke with all authority as God would have you with the Word of God. But if a, if a man, if the pastor is going to start and finish well, if you're going to do pastoral ministry the way God would have you do pastoral ministry, you have to have these men, these elders around you who are able to speak into your life and hold you accountable to the things you say you believe. I mean, this is Discipleship 101. Accountability groups didn't start with, you know, the 1990s men's ministry. Accountability goes all the way back, all the way back in the scriptures where brothers are encouraging and discipling one another and entrusting the gospel into the hands of faithful men who will entrust the gospel to them afterwards. This is basics of Christianity, Christianity 101. Have somebody in your life that's going to hold you accountable to the things you say you believe. That's going to be able to address situations that need to be addressed. And if you don't, and if you buy that lie that your friendship has to be all with people outside of your local church, then it's just a matter of time. If you don't have real accountability, and that is predicated upon real friendship, if you don't have real friendship with people, you're just you're gonna you're gonna end up at some point having or walking in some sort of sin and not having anybody to talk to about it and nobody to get in your face and say, you got to quit this immediately or you got to take a season away, man. This is, this is disqualifying. 
You have to have men in your life that are going to hold you accountable. Now, then next, point two. Each had ceased to invest in daily personal times of prayer, scripture reading, and worship. Seriously? I mean, neglect of the spiritual disciplines in the life of the pastor? Why? Well, it's because so many pastors are doing so much work preparing to preach Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, or whatever, that they fail in the basic spiritual disciplines. And men, if you'll have accountability, if the man of God will get up every morning and read the scriptures and pray and have communion with God, then this is a deterrent to moral failure. I mean, nobody wants to morally fail, right? Nobody wants to sin and disqualify yourself from ministry. And so read God's word, receive from him, and respond to him in prayer. Point three, over 80% of them became sexually involved with another woman as a result of counseling the woman. In other words, they were spending significant portions of their schedule with women other than their wives. Friends, my goodness, don't spend time with women that aren't your wife. For goodness sake, know yourself. I mean, this is like, just guard yourself from that. I don't disciple any women other than through preaching ministry. I'm not friends with other women except the, the wives or the men that I'm friends with. And in that, I've talked about it before, I'm not texting them to hang out with them. You know, like, we don't do that. Your, your best friend is your wife. And so don't become friends with other women. Other than, I mean, of course I'm friends with women in our church, but not in the way that I'm friends with my buddies, for goodness sake. I'm not going out and hanging out with them. And so we hang out with them in so much as we hang out with our buddies. We've got to walk in wisdom. And then fourth, without exception, each of the 246 had been completely convinced that moral failure will never happen to me. Guys, if we don't walk humbly before God and others, if we don't get these basics of spiritual disciplines down, if we don't just pray, hear God speak, respond to Him, just walk as a Christian man, we cannot be the men that God has called us to be as shepherds. Like if, if, you, if you're well, if your spring is completely dry and you're just going through the motions and you might be very good at going through the motions, you might be very good at working a crowd, you might be very good even in a counseling situation. But if you can't just behind closed doors be the man that you are in public, then moral failure is coming. And so what I want to say is that, that today is just, you know, just nail this point home is that you have to be a man of God. And if you're not, you can't be a pastor. Like you can't shepherd your family. You can't take your fa- care of your family. You're disqualified from ministry. And under the surface, you're going to be able to, you know, <clears throat> for a while on the surface and in public, play the game. You're going to be able to maybe even get a bigger church. You might be able to get a bigger, sa- bigger salary. You might write some books. You might do this or might do that, whatever it may be. But if there's a rotten core, your wife's going to see it. Your family's going to see it. And eventually, if you don't have any accountability, if you don't have real friendship, if you... If you're spending time with a lot of ladies, you're going to fail. That's just how it is. 246 over one year over a one-year period. Okay, guys, we're going to spend seven weeks talking about pastoral ministry. This is week one. And so each week we're going to lay out what the scriptures has, have prescribed pastors to do. We start with who is the man today. This is who is a pastor supposed to be. And he has to be a godly man, a Christ-like man, a man that understands the gospel, loves, God, loves the grace of God, and is transformed by the power of the gospel, and then is humbly walking with the Lord. I mean, do you know how precious it is that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? I mean, do you, have you gotten over the grace of God? Well, turn back again and remember what, God, what Christ has done for you and then walk and live accordingly. Respond to him in obedience. Yes, Lord Jesus, whatever you call me to do. 
and have that childlike faith. Recover that. And pastor, if you're out there and uh, and you're listening, you're just you know feeling like man. I just have have lost or forgotten my first love. Well, return again to Christ. I mean, he's there in open arms. And there's no, there's no condemnation even for you right now. And so repent, return to Christ, and walk humbly uh, before him and others. Okay, guys, I hope this has been helpful. Please subscribe, share, do all the things. You guys know what to do. And I hope you have a great, great rest of your week. Hey, guys, you've been listening to the Shepherd's Crypt Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you have any questions about the ministry or if you would like to talk with me, please feel free to reach out and please visit our website at theshepherdscrook.co.